Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scottish Poetry Library's Nothing But The Poem podcast. My name is Sam Tung, and I'm the Poetry Coordinator at the Scottish Poetry Library. I'm also a poet myself, uh, and I really enjoy our discussions that we have at Nothing But The Poem. A little bit of background to the Nothing But The Poem idea is that we meet together online and we discuss the poems of a particular poet in a very relaxed, very open way. You don't need to be an expert on poetry and you don't need to have read the poems beforehand. All you need to do is sign up as a friend of the Scottish Poetry Library and that's part of the package. And we talk once a month, we talk together and discuss the poems in question. We are a physical library, we're just off the Royal Mile, down Crichton's Close, but we also have our online catalogue and you can borrow by post as well. And we actually, the poet that we're going to talk about today is Daniel Sluman, and we have all of his books in the Poetry Library, so they are available to borrow from us. So the poet that we discussed in our Nothing But The Poem group, as I say, is Daniel Sluman. And I chose Dan's poems this month in part because it's Disability Pride Month, and Daniel is a advocate and disability activist uh, and has edited an exemplary collection on deaf and disabled poets called Stairs and Whispers, Deaf and Disabled Poets Write Back. That was co-edited with Karini Barocca and Sandra Alland, and that came out from Nine Arches Press in 2017. We also have a copy of that in the library, which is very well worth reading. So thanks to Dan and thanks to Nine Arches Press for giving us permission to use his poems and we're going to work through a few of those poems together just now. This first poem is called Snow. It's available on the Bad Lilies Journal website. So if you want to go away and Google Bad Lilies and you'll find Daniel Sluman's poem there so you can follow along if you'd like. This poem's called Snow. I'll read it out first and then just make some observations. Snow. A jolt of white against the window as the snow piles against the glass, and like children, we feel that scattering of flakes outside melting into the creases of our open hands. It must have started when we were asleep, like a note drawn from the silence and trembling louder with the mounting fall, filling the gutters and packing the furrows of the road with noise. In the shower, the clouds of steam unfold from my shoulders like wings. Sometimes you telling me the outline of my hips makes you wet as I dry myself on the edge of the bed is all it takes, and I'm suddenly here, in my body, my ego in your hands, a pipe splitting in frost, as I fill my form, sudden, maddening as weather. And from that first poem, you can already get a sense of some of the themes that come up in Dan's work. Themes of inside, outside, themes of an internal reflective nature juxtaposed against the external situation in which the poet finds themselves. Indeed, he's also written about the fact that he writes in a confessional style in order to present his own life as a personal and political project and how he writes um, presents that. In this poem, we get a sense of one of these themes of look kind of being claustrophobic, being contained inside whilst there's weather, maddening as weather, 
There's weather outside and this kind of internal weather and external weather. When we were discussing this, there were some of the images that came up were incredibly, yeah, they're noteworthy. And one that really struck the group when we were discussing it was the way in which the clouds of steam unfold from my shoulders like wings. This potential that's always there for a different kind of body or a different way of thinking the body. Throughout his work, Dan explores the intimacies and relations between bodies, between between the poet's body, between the voice of the, the poet, between other bodies. And there's a kind of fierce love of bodies, of their own body and other bodies. For me in particular, those final lines, the sometimes you telling me the outline of my hips makes you wet as I dry myself on the edge of the bed is all it takes and suddenly here in my body, my ego in your hands, a pipe splitting in frost as I fill my form, sudden maddening as weather. Those lines just really bring up that sense of how being bodies together can be all it takes to inhabit a body, inhabit your own body, inhabit other people's bodies, my ego in your hands, that sense of how we find out and know about ourselves through being in relation to other bodies. And this is something that, that Dan explores, as I say, throughout. When we were thinking about the way in which the form works as well, um, and Daniel's written about this as well, when in his interviews he's spoken about this, there's a lack of punctuation in his poems. And instead, the stylistic that, that Dan follows is using white space and using seemingly quite straightforward, quite simple language, often in couplets or just single lines, but using that white space as a kind of punctuation. So the poem kind of offers itself to be read in different ways because you're not entirely sure as you're reading it where to put the emphasis um, and where to where to put those those kinds of weight and tone. But it suggests itself. It's quite a suggestive way of writing. So when you're when you're reading through, you see all of this white space and you're trying to almost second guess where to place emphases. And word choice impacts that, of course, but at the same time, following the poem through to its end, you almost want to go back to the beginning and try reading it in a different way. And we'll see that in a couple of the other poems we'll look at. They offer themselves to, to be read in different ways. So that first poem is one of Dan's newer pieces. The next two poems that we looked at come from his, sec it was his second full collection called The Terrible, from Nine Arches Press in 2015. And I'm going to read the title poem from that collection called The Terrible. When I was 11, I prayed so hard for the cancer that would deliver my mother's love. My fingers had to be prized apart like scallop shells. The cells tumbled through my blood. God would never answer me again. At 19, my girlfriend poured a circle of salt around our bed. We spooned in greasy sheets and stared through the window as the rain sewed rooftops into one impenetrable dream. But she'd cast the right the wrong way. Something terrible whispered in her ear at night. At 21, I slid my tongue inside a saint 
whose hair burnt redder with each cigarette she lit. Like loose change, she tried to shake the terrible from me, until the bed glittered like the sea, each breath dragging us deeper. Today, Emily fills my eyes in our grubby basement flat. Each time I tell her I love her, my heart crushes like a paper cup. The diamond winces on her hand, its brightness weighing us down in shadow. So there's that theme again of the window, staring through the window, that kind of internal and external vision and view as the rain sewed rooftops into one impenetrable dream. The terrible itself is not explicitly kind of outlined, but we get a real sense as this poem progresses through the kind of chronology of 11 and 19 and 21 and then up to the present day, how much this terrible has haunted the poet um, and how much it's affected their lives and the lives of others who they've been in relation with. In the group, we discussed how this poem in particular and some of Dan's other poems uses religious imagery and ritualistic imagery to get that sense of speaking to larger themes, um, even though there's this kind of claustrophobic, tight um, sense of, uh, with that image of my fingers had to be prized apart like scallop shells. That's an incredibly powerful image of um, kind of desperate, desperate prayer. And also obviously scallop shells are a symbol of pilgrimage. They're a symbol of, um, um, on the Santiago de Compostela, St. James, the root of St. James, things like that. So even a single word and a single image like that can have so many connotations. But this sense of rit ritual that came up in that second stanza, at 19, my girlfriend poured a circle of salt around our bed. We spooned in greasy sheets. Again, this idea that there's a kind of ritual or there's a, a way in which we use ritual to get a sense of control perhaps over our lives but also a sense in which we can speak outside of that claustrophobia there's there's bigger themes there's bigger things even though god would never answer me again as the poet writes in the first stanza we also because we could see the poem in front of us it was interesting to discuss the idea of the homophones there's in that second stanza again, she cast the right the wrong way. And the poet knows exactly what, what he's doing there. Um, obviously, as you're listening, dear listener, you can hear that the homophone is there, that she cast the right the wrong way. Right, obviously spelled R-I-T-E, the ritual, the ritualistic right. Um, and that's always that interesting balance of whether you hear the poem or whether you read the poem. And again, in, in Dan's poetry, that ambiguity is always available to you. It's, it's there as a, as a connotation that you can read the poem in a different way. If you're, if you're hearing the poem, you're going to interpret it very slightly differently to how you might um, read it. So listening and reading are ambiguous and, and the poet's playing with those things and they know exactly what they're doing. And that links with that something terrible whispered into her ear at night. It's a sound, it's a sound meaning. Light and dark are very, very important 
um, themes for the for the poet, um, not just in this poem, but again, this space on the page and lack of punctuation is really, really important for different ways to read and reread the poem. People in the group practiced reading it in a different way. There was the th that third stanza where um, it reads, at 21, I slid my tongue inside a saint whose hair burnt redder with each cigarette she lit. Like loose change, she tried to shake the terrible from me. And then we realized that when we read it again in the, in the Nothing But The Poem sessions, we read the poems at least twice so that we can hear them once and discuss them and then hear them again after we've had a discussion. And it's always different the second time. It's a very useful way of reading poetry. I highly recommend it. But we reread it and we read it as I slid my tongue inside a saint whose hair burnt redder with each cigarette she lit like loose change. And it worked. And it kind of, um, it impacted the image of the cigarette differently. Um, and in a way that kind of shows how language choice and word choice works. And syntax, we, we lay out words in sentences. We think we know what they mean because we read them in certain ways. But as soon as you lose punctuation or space them differently, you can get very, very different meanings out of the same sentence and the same words. So again, you can experiment with that when you when you read Daniel's poems. This last poem that we looked at is a very hard-hitting one and really kind of brings together all of the themes and ideas that we've just been discussing um, in this podcast. It's very poignant, it's very, um, as I say, hard-hitting and what I'll do, I'll just read it and present it to you that way. In Dreams in dreams, I have two legs. My mother stays, and childhood is a single house. A bursting fridge with music crashing through the hall. The record player's needle is the only one that will tear into my life. I am a thing worth loving, so I love in controlled explosions. Nobody is hurt. The script hacked into my skin with a knife unpicks itself like a thread and ambulances only ever pass. My tempered heart ticks in line with everyone else's. With a gin in my hand, I drink myself to perfection each night. The diction and language choice in this one is, again, very, very straightforward, very simplistic, seemingly simplistic. But when you read it on the page and you can see how it's structured into couplets and then a single line and couplet, then single line, then couplet, um, it really resonates. It's, it slows you down. Although there's no punctuation, as we've discussed in the, the other pieces, it really slows your reading right down. And you have to ponder almost every word and you have to stay with each image. In the group, we discussed the very just the deeply sad sense that comes from that line I am a thing worth loving and the poet's chosen to break the line after thing so on the on the page it says I am a thing and then follows on to worth loving as if that's some kind of choice or decision that needs to be made that it's not a sentence in itself it's not a true thing until we follow on to that, that 
that next line, that worth loving. And I love in controlled explosions. When I said that a lot of Dan's poems are about intimacy and about love and about relations with other bodies and other people, that really kind of unpacks this this poem for me as well, that I love in controlled explosions. So that, I, yeah, I suppose that idea for me that there's there's that passion, there's that fire and it's fierce, but it has to be controlled and it has to be, um, especially in the dreams. I mean, the title of this poem is In Dreams. So it's a kind of imagined imagined world as well as the real world in this. So in dreams, nobody is hurt by these controlled explosions, but perhaps in real life, as it were, or in waking life, people have been hurt. The group also felt that there's so much suggested in this, again, seemingly simplistic language. In dreams, I have two legs. My mother stays. A childhood is a single house. So just one small opening couplet has a whole history packed into it. Um, and that just introduces the, the poem and the, the poet's voice so powerfully. And then lines like, in dreams, ambulances only ever pass again suggesting that in real waking life ambulances stop at the door and that's um, normal life is when ambulances stop at the door and the connotations of that again are powerful and poignant and then thinking through to that final that final line and in disability poetics in particular um, thinking about perfection and the poet's voice here talking about the only way in which perfection is reached is through drink drinking, through having that gin in my hand. The heart, the poet's tempered heart, does not tick in line with everyone else's and the only way to get there to this imagined perfection of abled, abled bodies and abled minds is to drink that gin, the gin in my hand, drinking yourself to perfection. And in a way, as a way to finish a poem and as a way to present the poet's voice, the confessional voice, it's just a really, really sad and powerful way at the same time of finishing a poem and presenting, presenting a life. So those were some of the themes and some of the things that came up when we were discussing Daniel's poetry um, which, as we've, as we've seen, explores disability um, through what he describes as a mainly confessionalist mode. Um, and he's been studying for and got a PhD in disability poetics. And as I say, co-edited this poetry anthology, Stares and Whispers, Deaf and Disabled Poets Write Back, um, all public, yeah, published by Nine Arches Press. His latest collection, Single Window, is a mix of photography and poetry, and that came out from Nine Arches Press in 2021 and was shortlisted um, for a T.S. Eliot Prize. So I highly recommend getting hold of his work. As I say, we've got them all, got all his collections at the Poetry Library and we'd love to share them with you. And if you're interested in discussing poems and discussing poets, I would suggest that you join us as uh, a friend of the SPL and that would 
That makes available the group, the Nothing But The Poem group, where we meet every month and have very gentle and, and um, straightforward discussions about the poems that have been selected. And they're open to everybody, whether you're a poetry expert or whether you've never read a poem before in your life, then we're, these, these sessions are open to everybody. So thanks very much for listening. And I hope that that gave you some insight into some of Dan's work. And I really recommend seeking more of it out. Until next time, thank you very much. Thank you.